Hey, what's up, everyone? You are on the Eden Podcast, and we are so glad that you're here. I hope that the next 30 minutes will help you to become the person that God always dreamed you could be. Let's get started. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It is so, so good to see you today. I cannot wait to get started. If you're part of the Eden family, you know that we are so grateful for you staying engaged over the last several weeks, and we're so grateful for that today that you're continuing to be a part of what God is doing in this community. If you're with us for the very first time, I want you to know that we are especially grateful that you decided to be a part of the conversation today. We know that it's a big step to step into a place like this, and we are so glad that you did that. And my prayer for you is that over the next 30 minutes, you would begin to hear God speaking to you and seeing him moving in your life in perhaps ways that you never have before. And so we're really, really grateful that you decided to be a part of the conversation. My name is Daniel. I'm the lead pastor here at Eden Church, and we're all about helping people take a next step in their faith journey, and I am so pumped today because every Sunday we step into this environment and we see lives being changed and stories being altered because of the good news that we are sharing, and so we are anticipating that happening again today. Now, I'm especially grateful that today we get to continue in a conversation that we started several weeks ago called Loveology, and this series for us has really been an opportunity for us to begin being intentional about how we can win at relationships. And what that means for us is that we would begin to take these small, incremental steps toward healthier relationships, more godly relationships, because in the end, we know that that impacts our life in such a significant way. And I think what happens for a lot of us is we will enter into these relationships without a lot of direction in our life, without a lot of direction or goal or purpose for the relationships that we've just engaged in. And so what we've been doing over the last several weeks is we have been looking to the Bible for wisdom in relationships. And so the first week we sort of laid it as a foundation for our conversation. We started talking about love as the foundation for every relationship that we have. Then we talked about being single and how in singleness it is probably a better investment of your time to invest in being the one instead of trying to find the one. And then we talked about dating, right? And in that season of dating, it is so much more important to focus on patterns over potential. And then last week, we talked about the secrets to a growing marriage. And I want to encourage you, if you have not had a chance to listen to those messages, to go back to our YouTube channel, check them out later this week. I think that they'll be a blessing to you. But today, we're going to shift gears a little bit, and we're going to start talking about the value of community and friendships. Now, I know that I don't have to convince anyone that 2020 has been the most disruptive year of our generation, right? Like whether it's your job or your health, your physical health, your spiritual health, your emotional health, uh, we have all experienced disruption in nearly every sphere of our life. And maybe more than any other sphere that we have felt disruption in has been in our relationships. And so I know a few weeks ago, we had uh, a group's leaders meeting uh, with our church, and it was the first time in six months that we had like seen anyone in our church outside of the people that helped to produce these services. And it was such an amazing experience. And then not short long after that, we had a worship night where we saw a bunch of other people from our community. And, and, and I learned a few things in those two regatherings. The first 
is that I have lost a little bit of social intelligence. Okay, it's been a while since I hung out with a lot of people. And so uh, talking to people again, we, it was a skill that I had to re-engage in. But the other thing and the most important thing that I learned is that it reminded me of how important community is for me. And so today we're going to be talking about community. And what I want to do on the front end of this conversation is to define what community is so that we know what we're talking about when we say it. Community is a group of people who know you and love you and want to help you become the best version of yourself. And I don't know anyone that doesn't want to have this as part of their life. Like, I don't know anyone that doesn't want to have community, a community of people who know them and still love them and want to help them become the best version of themselves. And, and I think that you know that. Like, we all know this intrinsically. There is this natural desire inside of all of us to be connected in community to other people. But not only do we know that that's true of, of what these natural desires we have for community inside of us, but scripture also tells us that we were wired for community. We were created in the image of God. And the Bible describes God as a God who is in community. He is the Trinity. Research also suggests that the healthier relationships we have, the higher quality of life we experience, the healthier we are physically, the longer we live. And so there are so many reasons why we know that relationships and community are important, but the question is, how do we create healthy community? And I don't know if you've noticed this about your life, you probably have, but the things that you really value are the things that eventually you will become extremely intentional about. If you value your children's education, chances are you're going to make sure that they get to class on time, that they're doing their homework and turning it in on time, that they are not daydreaming for hours on Zoom. Can I get an amen if you have a child under the age of six? You know what? Scratch that. If you have a child, I don't care how old they are, it is easy to lose attention watching a Zoom, in a Zoom call. But you know, like the things that we care about, the things that we value, we eventually become intentional about. And so today we want to have a conversation that is going to help us to be intentional about how to have a healthy community. And the first thing that we're going to learn this morning as we draw from scripture in a few different places, the first principle is that friendships are influential, so choose them wisely. Look at what Proverbs chapter 11, uh, chapter 13 verse 20 says. It says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. I think that this is a really helpful proverb as we consider it because you probably have experienced this before. You know that your relationships are influential. They can either influence you for good or they can influence you for bad. But the point is, is that every relationship that we have is influential. The motivational speaker, Jim Rohn, said that we are the average of the five people we spend the most time with. Our relationships literally shape who we are. They shape how we think. They shape how we feel. They shape how we dress and what we say and what podcasts we're listening to and what books we're reading and what shows on Netflix we are watching. I mean, just think about all of those things in your life. How many of those were influenced by your five closest friends? I remember learning this principle coming out of high school. I was if someone was kind of watching my life from the outside, they would think that I was probably heading in a trajectory that was not very helpful. While I was in high school, 
And then I moved to college, and there were a few things during that time that really changed the direction of my life. The first was my faith. I began walking with Jesus in a way that I had never done before. And as I started walking with Jesus, my faith started to influence my priorities. And I started doing different things. And the things that I started doing, my priorities were then linking me up with healthier relationships. And what I noticed is that when I started linking my life up with godly influences, they were helping me to get to where I was trying to go and my habits started changing. Your relationships are like a current. If you've ever been in the ocean, you know what it feels like to be in a current where the water and the flow of your environment is taking you somewhere that you're not even trying to go. That's sort of what happens in our relationship and our closest friendships. Just by being around people, it's like a current that will take you somewhere even if you're not trying to go there. And what we have as a benefit right now is that we get to choose where the current of our relationships take us. I don't know what your community looks like today. But I think that there are many of us who are in relationship with people who are probably negative influences in our life. There are probably people that we're connected with at a really intimate level that maybe put you down or they use you. They're more concerned about what they can get from you instead of what they can do for you. Or maybe you're connected to some people on social media, okay? You're friends with people. And for whatever reason, the algorithm on Facebook or Instagram keeps posting their stuff in your newsfeed. And every day you just read their negative, harsh, critical comments about the world and it becomes a little bit overwhelming. Now, I'm, t- I'm not telling you what to do about these relationships. I think the important thing is that you need to know that we are all influenced by the people that we are connected with, whether we know it or not. Most of you guys No, Mark, he leads our worship on Sunday morning. Shout out, Mark. Shout out, Mark. Um, But Mark started working for us uh, several years ago, working with us several years ago. And one of the things about Mark is that he has these little things that he does in response to questions or statements. And one of the things that he does is he'll just kind of give you a thumbs up. He may not reply verbally or audibly, but he'll just give you that thumbs up. And, And I didn't really make anything of it. Until one day someone asked me a question and instead of verbally responding to them, I just put my thumb up like Mark does. I thought, what on earth is happening here? Mark was literally influencing me without even knowing it. And I think that that is a reality for all of us, that our relationships are influential. And so if we know that our relationships are influential, we have to, be, we have to choose carefully who you're letting sit at the table of influence in your life. The second thing that we learn about friendships and community is that friendships don't become meaningful without time. I don't know if you've experienced this in your life, but for most of my life, any people that I have become close friends with is a result of the amount of time that I've spent with them. Someone once said that the way you spell love in relationships is T-I-M-E. Some of you have probably tried to plant a flower or water something so that it grows. When you pour water on the flower, that's part of what helps it to grow. Time does that for relationships. And so what you will realize is that you will only get out of relationships what what you're willing to put into them. 
And I want you to think about all the great friendships that you have had over the course of your life. They are likely people that you have spent time with. And I think that from a spiritual perspective, when we look at the New Testament, this is something that we see being modeled in the life of Jesus. When you look at Jesus' life, the majority of the people that he spent time with were the 12 disciples, the 12 apostles. He invested in them every day. He lived with them. He walked with them. He ate with them. He spent time with them. And what we notice on the back end of that relationship is that those 12 people changed the world. But not only was it Jesus, when we look at Paul's ministry, his influence spanned several, several geographic locations in the ancient world. And he didn't do it by himself, but it was a result of him investing in relationships. Look at what it says in Acts chapter 18, verses 1 through 3. It says, then Paul left Athens and he went to Corinth. There he became acquainted with a Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently arrived from Italy with his wife Priscilla. They had left Italy when Claudius Caesar deported all Jews from Rome. Paul lived and worked with them, for they were tent makers just as he was. Paul spent time with his community. He served with them. He worked with them. He lived with them. He labored with them. And what we know on the back end of that relationship is that Priscilla and Aquila became these effective ministry leaders in the early church. But it was all tied to Paul's investment in time in that relationship. And I don't have any significant relationships with people I don't spend time with. And that's probably true for you. Your closest friends are probably the people you spend time with. And I know that as we're like processing this together, right? True friendships require time. Some of you are telling yourselves right now, I'm too busy. I don't have enough time. I live in the Silicon Valley. I'm working 60 hours a week. My days are full of busy, busy, busy work. Or maybe you have stopped working, but now you're home with your kids and you're homeschooling for the first time and you think that it's impossible. But one of the things that that you may have learned in life is that busyness is a choice. It is not a lifestyle. Busyness is a choice. It's not a lifestyle. You are choosing what you fill your time with. I remember this sort of thought that Stephen Covey had as he writes in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he makes a distinction between really three spheres of relationships that people have based on who they are. And you have one person who oftentimes may be defined or labeled as someone who is dependent, right? They have this dependent type of relationship. And what that means is that you rely on others for areas of your life that you are responsible for. And this is one of the most unhealthy types of person to be when it comes to relationships. It's, it's codependent. You're relying on other people to do what you can do for yourself. But then on the other end, you have someone who is independent, where they are responsible for their own decisions, but the problem is that they don't rely on anyone. And what that means is that oftentimes this type of person lacks any type of real meaningful relationships. And then the third type of person that Stephen Covey talks about is the person who is interdependent, where he, they are at a place emotionally and, and spiritually and psychologically where they can share responsibility with other people, work with other people for the greater good of one another. It's so important that we become connected with each other. Look at what Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 through 11 says. It says, Two are better than one 
because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. If you want to have deep and lasting and meaningful relationships, it will require time. And what I love about time is that it has like this amazing ability to remove the masks in relationships, to remove the pretense, to allow for someone to be vulnerable. And this is such an important place to get to because it is only when we finally become vulnerable where true connection, true relational bonds are being formed. Sometimes a lot of people after a certain point in their relationship, will begin to back out because they'll notice that their guard is coming down. And I think that for a lot of people who haven't been in healthy relationships, it's kind of a scary thing for them to get to this place of vulnerability, to get to this place in their life where they're allowing for people to know them for who they are because they are not sure if those people will still love them and like them after they find out. But friendships require time. The third thing that we learn about friendships are that friendships are seasonal. King Solomon, the son of King David, one of the wisest men to ever walk the earth in his old age, as he was reflecting upon all that he had learned in life, he said, there is a time for everything. Look at what it says in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 and 11. He says, for everything, there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. You know, one of the hardest things that I had to learn is that this principle applies to relationships. And so shortly after my wife and I got married, we went to our honeymoon. And then right after that, we were moving away to Texas for grad school. And I remember as we were moving to Texas, we literally didn't know anyone in the area that we were moving to. And so eventually we joined a church and we got connected to one of the groups that people were hosting. I th actually, we started a group. And I remember how significant it was to be connected with people who were dealing with some of the same conflicts that we were having and walking through some of the same struggles at this season of life. It was like this amazing group of people that we felt like we were going to be intimately connected with for the rest of our lives. I mean, we loved them deeply. For two years, we lived life together. And then I remember we moved away and we assumed that we were going to keep up all the phone calls and all the conversations. And slowly over time, we became more distant. And what I realized in this moment is that great community with the same group of people usually doesn't last forever. And I'm not sure that it was meant to be. I really believe that God has certain people in your life at these strategic moments that he's planting in your life to help you get to where he's trying to take you. And I think that we've all had relationships that were super strong, but then slowly you distance over time and, and we feel bad about that. But in some sense, I think it's okay because sometimes the hardest thing for us to do is to let go of a good relationship. But what you'll learn over time after season of season of maybe experiencing this is that, is that if you can leave people well, God will supply you with new community for every single season of life. And I know that maybe the thought and the idea that friendships are seasonal may actually be a discouraging thought for you. 
I'm sure that there are a lot of people that are listening to this message right now that are living in a situation that you are not sure you're going to be in long term. Like you may have moved to the Bay Area or you may have moved to New York or maybe you're living in Boston or, or you're somewhere that you are not sure you're going to be there long term. And there are others of you that have been somewhere long term, but maybe you're living in like this transient area where people come for a job for a few years just to get some experience, move up the ladder, and then they move back to where they came from. And what you have become discouraged by is the fact that so many of your relationships feel like they are seasonal. And what that does for some of us is it actually discourages us from investing in relationships altogether. You're just so tired of it that you think, I'm not going to even invest. Why invest with some, in someone who's going to end up moving away? But just because they are seasonal doesn't mean that you don't need to invest in them. Because what you will learn is that if you are unwilling to connect with people, you are going to miss out on so many opportunities to be influenced by amazing people that you are in close contact with. What I also love about this reality is that it actually causes us to value the healthy relationships that we do have. I mean, if you know that you only have a certain amount of time with people in your life, I think we begin to see it as an opportunity to leave people better than when we found them. And so right now what I want you to do is I want you just to right now, well not right right now, maybe like after the service is over, but just text some of those friends in your life, some of those relationships in your life. And let them know how thankful and grateful you are for them. You know, I just think as we begin to see relationships from this perspective, we begin to realize how valuable healthy, godly, encouraging community is in our life. And I think that when we see it from this perspective, it's an opportunity for us to show gratitude to God. Because if you think about how crazy it is to have these relationships in your life, you realize that God has like orchestrated stuff all around you, not just in your life, but in the lives of other people to bring you into relationships at the right time and in the right season with the right people to get you to where he's trying to take you. I don't know where you're at in your life today. But part of like why we push groups so hard is because we have seen it year after year, semester after semester, people who come into these environments disconnected from healthy relationships walk out with a greater sense of purpose in their life, greater sense of community, a greater sense of connection to God. And we realize that so much of the life transformation that happens in our church and around the world is a result of the communities that are pouring into you. And I think that if you came into the conversation today feeling like part, that part of your life was low, it was empty, maybe insufficient, I want to encourage you to consider stepping into a group this semester. Now, I know that it's hard I know that you don't have time, but I also know that you cannot do this alone. Like walking this faith journey by yourself is nearly an impossible task. Not to mention that it's 2020. Okay, so that makes it even more challenging to navigate what faith looks like in our current context with all the complexities that we're facing as a culture. And so I want to encourage you to get connected to people who want to see you become the best version of yourself. I know that so many of us long for these types of relationships. 
Like we long to be in community with people who know us and still love us. And not just love us from a distance, but love us enough to help us become all that God dreamed that we could be. But I think that there is also a deeper longing in our heart. Not just for a relationship with people, but for a relationship with God. And this morning, if that is who you are when you came into the conversation today, I want to let you know that you don't actually have to leave that way. That if today you came in searching for something, that if you came in on the back end of a week where you were asking some deep questions about the purpose and the direction of your life, if you have been wondering why you've achieved everything you wanted to achieve and yet you still feel empty inside or insufficient or unsatisfied, and you came to a place like this, it is because God is drawing you to himself. It is never an accident when someone shows up to Eden Church. It is always a result of someone wanting to figure out what that little knock is at the door of their heart. And this morning, if that is you, longing to be connected with God, longing to figure out how to fill that space inside of you that nothing else will fill, I want to encourage you today to consider taking a step of faith. To consider beginning a relationship with God. And really, Scripture says that it's not complicated. It, it may not always be easy, but it's not complicated. That all we have to do is to be willing to surrender our heart to Him. He doesn't want anything from you. He doesn't want your money. He doesn't want your stuff. All he wants is your heart. And this morning, if you are open and desiring to take a step of faith with God in a way that maybe you never have before, I want to encourage you to bow your head and to close your eyes and to repeat this prayer in your heart after me wherever you are. And the prayer is simple. It's nothing about the words it's just about whether or not these words reflect the condition of your heart. So go ahead and bow with me and pray. Dear God, I want to thank you for loving me even when I didn't love you. God, thank you for being with me in the darkest moments of my life. Thank you for bringing me here today and reminding me of your love. Today I believe that you loved me enough to send your son to sacrifice his life on my behalf. To say, today I receive the gift of salvation. Today I want to begin following you. God, would you give me the strength to follow you from this day forward? In Jesus' name, amen.